This is Women Authors of Achievement Podcast, episode 45 with guest Jennifer Fun. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daria Sovorova, and welcome to today's conversation. Are you an everyday creator like me? Well, then listen in to this one. In this episode, we discover the creator economy with Jennifer Fun and how side hustlers like you and me are developing the passion economy of the future. Jennifer herself left the VC world back in 2021 to build Passion Fruit, the operating system that helps creators to manage their financing and workflows in one place. In this episode, we speak about why Jennifer is passionate about empowering people to work and live on their own terms, how creators can get into angel investing, and how we creators can get what? Yes, indeed, more productive. If you enjoyed today's episode, I remind you, as I always do, don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or rate the show on Spotify. I really love reading your comments. Welcome to the studio, Jennifer. Today we will have a conversation around a topic which is very dear to my heart, passion economy and creator space. I'm super excited and thank you so much for coming to the studio. Yeah, thank you so much for hosting me here in the studio. Let's get started. So Jennifer, directly into the topic, into your founding of Passion Fruit. How did you come to the idea and what is Passion Fruit? So 2020, a lot of things happened, obviously. And, you know, there was not only the pandemic, but also Black Lives Matter, the climate crisis, uh, Asian hate crimes. And there were a lot of things going on in our society where I just felt a need to channel those emotions and I actually found it in writing. So I started to create content and started as an experiment text for good, which is a newsletter and try to share learnings about, you know, climate tech startups, food startups, everything which has a positive impact on our society and environment as well as um, diversity in tech, which was very important or still is important to me. And I found it, it was a great way for me to have, you know, kind of this self-creative expression through this. And it was basically my, I had a day job, right? I was an investor uh, working in venture capital, but then doing this on the weekends at nights, trying to like, create content, and also started to build a community. So I was one of the founding team members of Two Hearts. I think one of the co-founders, Gülcha, was also in your podcast. Oh, yes, she's yeah. been here, yes. And uh, yeah, and that was uh, also an amazing experience. So we built up the community within six months from zero to 700 community members. It's basically trying to diversify the tech ecosystem in Europe with more cultural diversity and being a community builder and content creator, newsletter writer at night on the weekends actually really made me consider leaving the venture capital world mm -hmm. and doing this full time and building a business around that. And I think that's where I understood that, you know, it's not the typical influencer generation anymore, which we, I think, associate with Instagram and, you know, being people being on social media, but it goes beyond that. and. I started to talk to a lot of creators then, you know, people who have podcasts, um, YouTubers, um, newsletter writers. And from there, the 
what I understood is that, you know, a lot of creators are actually entrepreneurs. Um, mm-hmm. They're building many companies, many media companies, and they are lacking infrastructure and software and, you know, tools to help them run their business. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, the idea for passion fruit was born. So what passion fruit is in the end, it's a place, a destination for creators to empower them as, you know, independent businesses. So help them to monetize, manage their business, doing, reducing basically also the very, I would say, draining uh, aspects of that work, Um, you know, invoicing, scheduling, getting back to people, staying on top of everything, but really still trying to kind of protect them from that so that they can keep being creative. Creative, Right. right? That's what's most important. Yeah. Exactly. And before we go more into that, how is it for you to leave like a very stable successful BC job and switch to the founder side, which is another ball game. Yeah, it was, I think, one of the hardest decisions so far mm-hmm. uh, I took. And it took me also some time to um, make this decision. My parents came late 80s from Vietnam to Germany as uh, immigrants, guest workers, actually, who were supposed to, you know, help to build up the economy again. And I grew up in a house where my parents basically invested, you know, all their savings, all their time into providing me and my little brother a better future. And that also meant a very stable job, a good career, good money, good work-life balance. And that's what I had with with my former investor job. I loved it. I think, you know, it's one of the greatest, most privileged jobs you can have. You get to meet, you know, amazing, ambitious founders, look into different industries, ideas, be really at the forefront of everything. And then you're like, surprise, parents, I'm going to the creator yes, side. Exactly. <laughs> Things will not be stable anymore. <laughs> exactly. So I, it took me really a long time because... I I knew that this is a great, you know, job and I didn't really see a lot of role models who look like me and who kind of did, you know, the same path. So making the jump in the end took me some time, but I'm super happy that I did it mm-hmm. uh, anyway. But yeah, again, I still love investing. I still, you know, you know do angel investments. But I also love building. Um, and as a VC investor, you're in the passenger seat. And as a founder, obviously, you're in the driver's seat. So that's a whole different shift. Right. But how do you, because I saw that you are an angel investor in Urban Sports Club, GT and Alep Farms. Hopefully I pronounced that right. Mm-hmm. So how do you right now contribute as an angel investor while running your own company? Yeah, I mean, during those uh, years as a VC I got exposed, obviously, to the venture capital world and startup investments. And I made those investments actually through syndicates from B2V. Uh, So the VC company I worked for, uh, which is great. So that gave me the access to that. And I would say I'm playing, you know, like a super tiny part, uh, like really with a small ticket in in those companies so luckily i'm not you know um supposed to basically 
be a main contributor because, for example, those companies are very much far ahead already. So it's more that it's part of a syndicate where I invest through. And then I made recently two other angel investments in, in other creator and uh, Web3 companies. And there I will probably um, contribute more towards mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. And so, Jennifer, you have raised just recently, some months ago, four months ago, <laughs> to be precise, you raised 3.4 million US dollars pre-C round, which is congratulations. It's it's amazing Kickstarter. Thanks. How did you select your angels and investors? Because I saw that among your investors, there were also creators themselves, which is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think in the end, we went into the fundraising process very much with a strategy or an intention. Because, I mean, that's also comes yeah. to you having the background and yeah. you were an investor in early yeah. stage uh, companies. Yeah. So you're probably like, okay, guys, I know exactly what we need to do. Yes and no. So I think on one hand, you know the rules of the game, right? On the other hand, you never played. So I would say that was still the difference. But it definitely helped to know the rules of the game, I would say. But I'm still super grateful for the outcome we have achieved uh, with that fundraising round. But I would also say it's just a starting point, right? Like this, we still need to like now execute. In terms of like how we put the cap table together, it was super important for us to find partners who share the same, you know, values around diversity, equality, inclusion, and then have also, yeah, a diverse mix of uh, investors in there. So we raised mainly from um, Creandum, who were like early investors in Klana, Spotify, Depop, so some really great companies. So that's, you know, one of actually our main investor. But then it was also super important for us to really have a community of angel investors who are operators, founders themselves, um, but also creators. And uh, yeah, to really have this diversity of experience, of backgrounds, of gender, because we just believe that, you know, in the end, inequality in a society also starts in the tech world with startup equity. So if the same type of people always get access to that, how can, you know, other types in the society or other groups in the society can, you know, build wealth? So on one hand, um, empowering also creators to think beyond, you know, like, yeah, I'm creating content and now I'm, you know, doing brand deals, but like really taking financial independence to the next level, mm -hmm. but obviously also helping, you know, us in developing the product better and using their audience, right? Because that's also their expertise in, in content creation, marketing, distributions. That's what they're excellent in. So I think that's kind of, for me, was a no-brainer to also, you know, those creators we have worked with and they so much believed in the idea that they said, I also want to invest. And some of them made their first angel investment ever, which is great because that means we're opening up, That's amazing, you know, the yeah. cap table to more and more people who, you know, might otherwise never, you know, start with that or start to think about it or get access to this. That's actually what I wanted even to ask you about. But before that, so some of your angel investors came from your user research mm -hmm. that you did for the product. So my next question 
how can actually creators, because you spoke about it and I find it so fascinating, get into angel investing and what should they consider if they want to take on that path, right? Yeah, I found it super interesting, but we do see in the market more and more that creators are becoming or turning into, you know, entrepreneurs, founders and investors just because they've built this reach audience expertise um, access to a certain target group right so what we've seen for example is um i think charlie her, she's like the, she, i think she was the number one tiktoker she just recently raised or has opened up basically a fund or a family office of 25 million or something like that to invest actually in startups. And she's um, 19 years old? Exactly. She's oh, wow. 19 years old. Then some of other creators like Ali Abdal, he's also part of our angel investors. He is this massive, you know, he's a doctor, but also built up then YouTube next to his um, studies and actually decided in the end to leave that so similar to me right leave a stable good high reputational job to pursue this and he's also starting to get actually approached by a lot of creator companies obviously or uh, podcast companies like riverside who could really value uh, or benefit from his um, expertise so i think overall we do see these you know trends or development and in the end it's all about getting access to those opportunities. I, I think that's one thing. And really start to think as a creator to, you know, ask yourself, you know, what if I do start with that? How are other creators are doing it? Um, what would be my, I don't know, investment topics or things I can give in return? So I do think that we will see that more and more. And a lot of founders do benefit from the reach creators have, you know, built up um, in the US, there are, you know, former Airbnb product manager, Lenny Rachitsky, who's built up a newsletter on product management, and Pecky, who also built up a newsletter, and now they raised based on this, a fund and are investing basically into startups, because founders do want to get into the audience they have built uh, up yeah. until now, right? So I think that's super, super interesting. It is. And this actually also brings us to the topic of creator economy and passion economy. What do those terms stand for? If you could break it down a bit. Yeah. So creator economy, I redefine it more really as um, tools and products built around a certain uh, group of people who are creating content. And that could be, you know, creating podcasts, YouTube, newsletter, but also Instagram and TikTok. And passion economy, I think, um, goes a little bit beyond that because it also captures uh, or addresses people who not necessarily create content, but basically do have passion projects. So, you know, such as coaches, for example, or fitness trainers who basically offer their productized services and monetize that. So I think that's kind of the wider than or natural evolution of basically content creators um, doesn't mean only or basically evolving then into, you know, passion economy or more and more people from the passion economy actually need to create content as well. So we do see coaches who do one on one coaching, but then also 
starting a newsletter because you know they need to write about it and they need to attract customers. So they also start to create content. So there's, I would say, this kind of yeah natural evolution or overlap between those two areas. Mm-hmm. So exciting that this is growing. And I was actually reading that you said that in the previous year creator economy was not on the radar of the VCs mm-hmm. and they needed some education, but it has been changing. And a year later, actually, um, investors are very much interested in creator economy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the disclaimer would be VCs in Europe. I think the US is unfortunately a few steps ahead of us. So I think 2020 as well as 2021 really accelerated through the pandemic was a year which, you know, I think more than a billion was invested in this space. And um, startups include, you know, Patreon or Kajabi, Steer, GetJuice. So a lot of startups coming from the U.S. Overall, I think there are more than 180 startups in that space. Uh, I think based on the recent uh, Antler report, only I think like 15 are based in Europe which kind of shows the gap. And that's why I think it picked up a bit later here in, in Europe. And it's still not very much, I would say, as present as in the US. But also you mentioned creators themselves sometimes don't know about creator economy and the tools and mm-hmm. think the potential of it. The interesting thing is that what we found out is a lot of creators we have talked to, you know, they didn't know that this term existed. They didn't know, you know, about creator economy, that they didn't know that there are creators, even though there was this huge buzz around, you know, that space in, in the tech world and VC world. And I found it super fascinating because when I asked them during the user research, you know, they call themselves, um, I'm a solopreneur, I'm a founder, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a freelancer. Um, so those are the different terms, but in the end of the day, what they're doing is actually creating content and making money from that. So that's the kind of education, I think, in the first place, where a lot of people then actually told us, wow, I feel like I finally you know, arrived somewhere because I now understand that I belong to this fascinating movement. And thank you for you know, enlightening me. Um, so that was one thing. And then I think the second thing in terms of education is really around that we truly believe creators are, you know, the next generation of startups, small medium businesses. And there is a lot of education as well as in the startup world needed around, you know, how to grow, what kind of tools can you use, how to hire people. How to scale yourself, basically. Exactly, how to scale yourself, where, where you know, what to delegate. You are actually a one-person business, but... You know, how do you set this whole thing up? So that's what we um, what we mean by that there's still a lot of education then to be just done and shared uh, among yeah. creators. And I feel like some kind of toolkits and uh, helping those creators would be so important. Actually, I, when I was reading the post you shared on LinkedIn and then you tagged me, there was this post about side hustlers and everyday creators and you tagged me and I was like, because I also was not thinking of that, you know, where do I belong? Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm a podcast host. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, that makes sense. Cool. I'm part of this group. You yeah. know? And it, it really felt like there's a community feeling to that. But it yeah. also comes with some kind of responsibility. Okay, I'm creator. I'm offering something to this world. 
I have to make sure it's good. I have to make sure it works, right? Mm-hmm. I have to make sure it brings value. Mm-hmm. Um, so it came with um, with excitement, but also sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I was like, Thanks. keep on those things coming and inspire us further to, you know, to reflect on our presence and who we are and how we contribute. But before you launched Passion Fruit, I know that you've talked to over a hundred creators, which some of them quite a big percentage became your angel investors. That's amazing. But also you have done this huge user research and you've shared already that they were sometimes unfamiliar how to call themselves and that there was a bit of a maybe misalignment. But what other things you found out that maybe fascinated you and inspired you more on your mission of founding uh, Passion Fruit? Yeah. So one number we found extremely shocking was when we asked creators, you know, how they spend their time um, and their day-to-day work. And then in the end, most of them told us that they spend roughly 30% of their time actually creating. So this is what, you know, they love, they're good in, and they're passionate about. And 70% of the time goes into administrative and business stuff, scheduling, negotiation with partners or external parties, responding to emails, invoicing, um, the whole email back and forth is super energy draining. And that's kind of what we are trying to tackle. So how do we, you know, elevate creators on one hand to become, you know, entrepreneurs or see them more as businesses, but also how do we protect their creativity and give them this tool where they can, you know, have even clarity about what is the most important thing for me to focus on this week? What do I need to respond to? Did I even get paid? I mean, what we heard sometimes was that creators, it took sometimes 50 emails back and forth from the first point of, you know, being contacted by a partner. Let's say you're a podcaster and Klana wants to, I don't know, sponsor your podcast episode because you're reaching a really interesting target group for them. And from that moment until actually getting, you know, money in your bank account, it can take up to four or five months, 50 emails back and forth. And we went through basically this whole process. We worked as COO for creators to really deeply understand that. And I think that's really the main pain point we want to tackle. What do you mean by you worked as COO? Yeah, we, we obviously we talk to them, we sit next to them, we observe them, we, you know, but we also work for them to as their COO. So to really manage, uh, help them manage uh, basically their business. And from there, we we saw that, you know, some creators, they have a team, they generate millions in terms of revenue. They're really like a business. And then they run it with their personal credit card and with a spreadsheet, you know, so they're hacking tools together to kind of cover their whole workflow and their and their work. They use Notion, Calendly, Typeform, I don't know, uh, Google Sheets and tons of other tools to manage all of that. So we, I think they need, you know, one place where they can go to and understand where they're currently standing in terms of their business. And that was really the learning we we got out of uh, out of that. Wow, I was just listening and thinking like I need that tool. Uh, where are you at right now in terms of development? Yeah, so we're currently 
developing. So obviously we had to hire first also our t founding team and currently we're developing. And then we hopefully will have our first version in the next uh, weeks to test it with our first yeah, users, test users and iterate from there. Um, but our goal was to get it super fast into the hands of the users, um, but still create, we call it a minimum lovable product instead of minimum viable product, because we do understand that we need to create this all, you know, end to end flow or experience for them. And it does need some sort of usability compared to B2B, classical B2B companies, because creators are oftentimes, you know, very visual. They don't have a lot of time. They have like a thousand other things to do. So that's kind of the objective we, we had. And um, I'm pretty confident that we have a very good first um, version uh, to, to test with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like a product where a creator would like to come back to and yeah. feel very attached and feel like if they're not using exactly. it, they feel like something is missing. Exactly. Basically. But now it's been four months since you raised the funds. Besides that, what else are you working on right now? What's your goals for this year? Yeah, so for us, it's really, as you already touched up on, building a product that is being loved by creators and that truly, you know, creates value for them. And they would be super disappointed if, if we would take it away one day. That's, I think, our number one goal. Our number two goal is to become the go-to place for creators to feel more empowered. So that means we're building the product But uh, in parallel to that, we are building our creator studio. So being a really literally, you know, a creator ourselves, we're creating lots of content. So we are actually going to launch a podcast where we um, interview creators, but also experts, people who work for creators to really have more learnings in the industry and sharing transparency, because I do think that it can be a very lonely journey. There's much less resources or content around this type of, you know, entrepreneurial path versus the startup world. There's no YC for creators, right? So that's something we strive towards too. So really having the podcast, we have a newsletter, building up a community, uh, creating content on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So um, really being yeah, a creator or a media company ourselves. So that's the second goal. Um, three is um, building or hiring the most diverse and best team we can because we do believe that diverse teams perform better. And we want to prove that in being successful or by being successful. And I think those are the three main goals. If you reflect, Jennifer, on yourself as a CEO and founder of Passion Fruit, still have to ask you where the name comes from. <laughs> Maybe you can disclose that. What are your superpowers as a CEO and a founder? So for your first question, it's very literal, actually. So in the end, it's about your passion projects, which usually you start with. It's also about, you know, like being basically in a Create or in a in a flow, being fruitful, productive. So it's kind of playing around with with that theme, uh, and that's where the name comes from. And around the second question, it's funny because we just had last week our first team offsite, and we did 
superpower um, session where the other team members had to come up with what are the um, superpowers of each team member. Mm -hmm. So I think that actually reflects better what my superpowers are than me saying I believe I'm this and that. And I think in the end, it's about empowering people to become the best version of themselves. And yeah, I think that's something you have to be as a leader. And I think that was one of the great uh, superpowers I heard. Um, obviously, there are other ones. You need to have a vision. Um, you're the one with the vision. You need to be, I mean, resilience, um, strong willpower. Uh, those were other superpowers which were mentioned. But overall, I think helping your team and people to become a better version of yourself was actually uh, really nice to hear. That's a brilliant one. And not only the team. I mean, you're making creators a be better versions of themselves with yeah. passion fruit, right? True. You yeah. can take it on different levels. Yeah. Love that. So it's time for my last question for today. And that's the question that makes everyone a bit nervous. Oh, yeah. But I love it because it's also a possibility to give a highlight to another person. And Jennifer, here it is, my question. Ta -da -da -da. Jennifer, who would you define as your woman author of achievement? It's a tough one <laughs> because they're not that. I mean, I'm sure there are, but obviously it's all about visibility and lifting women up. But if I would have to name one, I think for me, Verena Pauster was a woman of achievement who also was uh, one of the persons who kind of gave me the last push I think I needed to make the jump uh, and to found the company. And for that, I'm super grateful. And I think she's a great advocate in Germany for the fact that we need, you know, more role models, more diversity. So I'm thankful that she's, you know, basically really keeping going every day to advocate for that. And for that, she's my woman Author, author of, of achievement. We got that one right. Cool. cool. It's um, great that you mentioned her name. I think it came on the podcast a couple of times. Mm. So uh, she's definitely a role model and a, a woman to mention, to give a highlight uh, for many, that's for sure. And that's a wrap of our today's conversation, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I think it was so interesting to just jump into exploration of the passion economy, the creative economy, understand what it is, understand who are those everyday hustlers and what are they building. And I think that they have now a place, a community they can be part of, that they are not feel uncomfortable, but they feel enriched with it. And there's also a goal behind it. So I think that's just so empowering and exciting. At least I'm speaking on my behalf. Mm -hmm. I'm thrilled for what you're building and wishing you all the success and holding my fists for you. So thank you. Thank you for being on my podcast and I hope we see each other soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please don't forget to leave us a review. We're always excited to read them. If you want to interact with us, the guests or the podcast listeners, then head over to our Instagram page at waa.berlin. And while you're there, make sure to check our webshop. Thank you again for listening and we're looking forward to being back soon.